Welcome to the Nutrition-ish Podcast, the place for all things nutrition and mindfulness. We are passionate about guiding you to make peace with food and empower your body and brain. I'm one of your hosts, Allie Hobson. I'm an NTP, Nutritional Therapy Practitioner in San Diego. I work with individuals to assess personal nutritional deficiencies and imbalances by addressing the root cause of any health issue. In my private practice, I focus on women's hormones, gut health, and thyroid dysfunction. Let's meet my co-host. I'm Chelsea Gross, a certified transformational nutrition coach based in Los Angeles. I work one-on-one with women who are ready to break free from dieting, make peace with food, and create a life they love filled with energy, self-love, and freedom from rules and obsession. I'm also the creator of the ebook, Break Free from Disordered Eating. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is intended to be informative and entertaining and should not replace medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. We are so excited you're here. Let's get to the episode. You're listening to episode 16 of the Nutrition-ish podcast. Hey girl. Good morning. Good morning. This is me being chipper and bright and lots of energy. We both just yawned like five seconds ago. <laughs> it's always different for me when you're not as high energy because I really feed off of your positivity and your energy. If I don't have that, it's like, I know. <laughs> I'm drinking water right now. Not a coffee, not a tea. I haven't had anything. Not that I like need that stuff for energy. It just makes me like excited about the morning. I know. I don't like the ritual part about it. I know. So maybe that's Why the issue. is that? Why are we so inclined to have a warm beverage in the morning? Hmm. So many, so many reasons, really. <laughs> well, I feel like our bodies, like innately or naturally, are drawn to things that like help digestion, because yeah. that's how our bodies are supposed to like work. So anything warm, like warm lemon water, any of that, I feel like is you know like stimulating kind of, and your body's looking for something like that in the morning so maybe it's like this primal way about us that needs something <laughs> or it's just out of habit because if you do it a lot you want it and there's but really also, no magic to it like as kids we didn't have a warm drink like cereal and juice <laughs> yeah thinking back to the things that I used to drink as a kid oh you know it's interesting God. I never remember drinking water ever no. as a kid no why would you like, yeah, what, are you going to put it in, like, a <laughs> juice cup? Here's some water. Yeah, I don't never. Know. We didn't, but, I don't think. I think we had juice because we grew up in the juice generation. <laughs> I drink, yeah, non-fat milk for me. Yes, me too, at dinner. Make sure you at finish dinner. your milk. Yeah, I think I probably had it for breakfast. I've never been a big orange juice fan. I probably. have grape juice, which sounds disgusting Ooh. right now. Ooh. Yeah, That's actually the flavor that I hate of everything. Every type of grape flavored yeah. anything, I've always hated it. Lemon yeah. is my, my flavor. Oh, I love lemon. Yeah, like, I mean, Jelly Ranchers, Starburst, I was always like the lemon. <laughs> Give me the lemon flavor. Really? For Starburst? I was a pink. Mm. Or an orange. Typical. Typical. Ooh, no, no orange. Did you like more like sour, gummy, s- sweet candy or like chocolate no. kind of stuff growing up? I think I. Probably more chocolate stuff. I didn't I like don't know. chocolate growing up. Hmm. I loved like didn't. Skittles, Starburst, Peach Rings. Peach Rings are like my life. <laughs> Not anymore, <laughs> but they were. <laughs> I was at um, the mall this past weekend. Um, there's a new, like they redid the UTC um, mall down here, which is like, I don't know, it's fancy and it's nice and it's pretty, but they still have like a candy shop. And it's like, why do those things still exist and how? It's just kind of shocking. I mean, that was my thing. Mm. <laughs> Probably up until my mid-20s, if I could go to one of those candy shops with the bla- the bag, and you, the black, right. <laughs> I'm like, I can't speak, <laughs> and you fill them up to the brim with all different kinds of candy. Well, they have that here at the Grove. They have Dylan's Candy Bar, whatever. Right. Oh, I missed the Grove. I used to love. Yeah, life. I can't believe you used to. I like forget that you used to live up here. <laughs> yeah, I wish we I know, lived the in the same spot. I know, because it's like well, we're not you, that far, but we're far enough that we can't. But get just together. far enough. 
Well, and even we tried to get together when you were in San Diego last weekend. <sighs> I know. And it was, so the Del Mar Fair goes on right now for those San Diego type people. <laughs> and it's a huge fair that runs for a few months, but the traffic is insane. And I'm like very far, you know, south. And so it was going to take me like an hour and a half to get up to where Chelsea was staying. So we couldn't get together. And it was so sad because I was like, it's like basically driving to L.A. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I can't. But it was also because Little Big Town was here in concert, which my parents are like so cool. They go to everything. They went to the concert. They said it was amazing. I love Little Big Town. I do, too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good intro. We're talking about candy. We're talking a lot about Little Big Town. We were gonna juice. Well, we were gonna talk about The Bachelorette. So what's funny is we went down that rabbit hole because I was asking why do we want warm beverages in the morning, and we ended up at Little Big Town. Yep. You never know what you're gonna get. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun to trace tangents. My best friend and I, when we talk. We both, this is not a good thing, we both cut each other off. Like, we'll go on a tangent. Someone will start telling a story, we'll jump in, and then we'll go off on a tangent. And we just, the way we speak and communicate is just tangent after tangent after tangent, and we have to intentionally bring ourselves back (laughs) to the story. We just have the same, like, habit of speaking like that. But it doesn't bother each other because we both do it. But it's a a kind of an exhausting way to, to talk to someone. Like, I leave hangouts with her, and I'm like, I feel tired (laughs) (laughs) I do like putting together like connecting the dots of like health stuff though not to bring it back to topic on purpose but if you're talking about like um I don't know why something happens and then you can relate it back to like thyroid immune system adrenals digestion and like being like okay yeah this is a thing because of that because of this because of that obviously yeah (laughs) it's really fun to interweave everything because everything's all connected which we'll explain when we get to our questions, for sure. Okay. On some of this stuff. But yeah, so we I guess we won't talk yeah. about The Bachelor. Well, I mean, if you want to, we can. Okay, well, just really quick. But I was saying I want to talk about it, but I, I really don't know people's names yet. I do. But, I can help you. Okay, well, the guy who got kicked off, the Cologne guy. Jean Blanc. Right. <laughs> so the whole entire time... I'm thinking, and my friend Tessa texted me as soon as he was, like, introduced to the show on, like, night one, and she was like, avoid, avoid, because he's probably so filled with toxins he'll never be able to reproduce. <laughs> I thought the same thing when he gave Becca the the perfume. I was like, that's for sure a toxic filled, and what if she's a natural gal? Yeah. Well, I don't know if she is or not. Whatever. But... <laughs> I'll get her using Beauty Counter in no time when we're friends, I'm sure. Uh, no, yeah. but I was just laughing. I was like, God, this guy's balls are probably very, like, oh. toxic. He, and, like, I don't, you know, guys don't think about that. And I, it's frustrating because it's like, you know, you're 50% of the equation. I know you like your clean and clear, but come on now. Clean and clear. <laughs> I know you like that old spice, but let's get real. Yeah, I walked um, by someone yesterday outside on the street and moments later could still smell his cologne. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's not attractive. Who told you that it was? I have my husband using the Schmitz brand. Have you used that deodorant? No, I haven't. But I hear people like it. Well, I th- <laughs> so he comes in this morning and he's like, he just he's one of those people that just like talks out loud or like sings like all the time. He just like says things. And so sometimes I just ignore it. But I'm always listening. But he comes in, he's like, you know, babe, as much as I love rubbing natural tree bark under my armpits every morning, (laughs) because I got him, like, a sandalwood or cedarwood flavor or smell. (laughs) And now every time I look at it, I just can't stop thinking about, like, rubbing natural tree bark under your arms, because that's literally kind of what it smells like. But I think it works, and he likes it. He doesn't know he likes it, but he likes it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. I just reordered the charcoal primally pure deodorant. I love it so much. Yeah, I know. It's the best. Still heating it under the blow dryer for a few seconds, though. Yep. Yeah. Got to do what you got to do. Not too long. (laughs) Either that or tree bark. (laughs) And don't put it in the microwave. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But in all seriousness, so you're you're banking on Garrett, the guy who she had a date with (sighs) on the bobsled. The smile man. Yes, but here, unfortunately, I... Something happened, and I don't know the specifics, where there's some scandal around him right now where he liked, I don't know if it was like derogatory or racist, po- 
posts or something on Instagram or Twitter. I don't know what Hmm. the problem was with them exactly, but it came out and she now is going on shows and being interviewed now that the show is starting to air. And the way that she, they asked her about that and the way that she answered made it seem, she was like, you know, you just got to get to know everyone for who they are on the show. And I hope everyone really just gets to know the guys from what they're seeing, not other stuff. It kind of made me think she picked him and is kind of defending him. Ah, interesting. But I don't want to know that. I don't want to know that. Right. (laughs) I still have a sweet spot for the San Diego guy, Colton. I liked him very much in the beginning and now not so much. You know who I like is Jason. Do you know who that is? No. (laughs) Oh, does he have slick back hair? Yeah, I think he's cute. Okay, I can't do the hair, though. I like I don't know. His hair bugs. There's another one I think is... You know who she really likes? I think his name is Chris, which is the guy she went on the date with that they wrote lyrics to love ballads and performed for each other. He's the one that has the baby bangs. Have you noticed that in his hair? I sound like so mean. No, (laughs) he certainly does not do it for me, but I think he does it for her. I don't know. I also like Blake. Oh, I I love Blake. Blake is cute. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So many. I'll be watching with Scott. Scott and I watch together. Do you watch Mm -hmm. with Derek? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, it's very fun. That's the show we watch together. (laughs) It's very fun to watch with someone but anyway I know he doesn't like like Becca my husband doesn't he's like why is she like 40 years old I mean she's literally like I think she's 27 yeah she's younger than us yeah she's young I mean 27 seems young to me to like to how she acts she really does seem like she could be she doesn't look 40 I'm not saying that but she's just so mature that I'm like it just doesn't fit I don't know he's not into it Scott was saying because when I started watching these, when we started watching these shows, really any reality show, everyone was so much older than us. And right. now everyone is so much younger. <laughs> I know, it's very weird. And so it's a little bit weird. But Scott was saying, we were watching last night, and he was saying, everyone in the show is, is younger than us, but they all look older than us. Because him and I look very young. Mm-hmm. I told someone my age the other day, and they were like, what? I thought you were 25. And I was like, I'm 31, and I'm actually about to be 32. <laughs> and Scott's 36, good thing. spoiler alert. And we both look about 20. So it's a good that. thing. It's great. Yeah, whatever. Okay. All fun. right, well, moving on to important things. <laughs> I'm what, gonna Bachelorette ask f- isn't important? It's very important. <laughs> it is very important. Um, last tangent. I haven't listened to her podcast, but what's her name? Um, Bristow? Uh, Caitlin. I don't know how to say her last name, but she has a podcast where I think she talks a lot about this kind of stuff. So, There's also a podcast with Ashley, I, and Ben. Gosh, what is it called? Something like Celebrity or Famous or Almost Famous or something like that. Which, by the way, she got engaged. Have you been following her love story with Jared? No. Okay, we'll talk off air. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. We are so lucky to have the One Stop Paleo Shop as a sponsor for our podcast. Chelsea and I absolutely love this website because they have so many different AIP, which stands for Autoimmune Paleo, products all in one spot. The One Stop Paleo Shop has been in business for four years, providing quality food for people on the paleo, AIP, keto, or Whole30 diets. They carry brands like Epic, Vital Proteins, Keto Perfect, Primal Kitchen, RX Bars, and so many more. They are the leaders in finding real, clean, whole ingredient products. Chelsea and I have curated two different boxes for you. There's a sweet-ish box and also a savory-ish box. There were so many products, it was so hard to decide. So we decided let's have both. The sweet-ish box has things like Power Balls and even the new Simple Mills Soft Baked Cookies. The savory-ish box has one of my new favorite obsessions, which is the Primal Cherry AIP Barbecue Sauce. Not only do we have these two boxes, but we are able to offer you guys 15% on absolutely any single product on their website. All you will need is our discount code, which is nutrition-ish, all one word. Also, don't forget, you are able to get free shipping on any order over $49. Be sure to send us a message and let us know what products you love. 
Question number one. This is an anonymous question. Um, she says, hi, I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease and neurotoxin back in 2014 after my weight rapidly declined and I tried everything to heal with food and elimination. I was put on AL drops by my functional medicine doctor and cholestyramine to eliminate the toxins. I continued to struggle with digestive distress and fatigue, but my weight slowly did come back. However, I am at a point now where the fatigue still takes over every single day. I continue to have digestive problems and now I am the heaviest that I have ever been and I cannot lose weight. I eat really well, exercise regularly, and I am a high school teacher, so now I am in summer and can focus on my healing. After my food allergy test, I eliminated gluten, soy, dairy, eggs, and a few other random fruits and vegetables, but continue to struggle every day to lead a normal life. I do not have good quality sleep, even though I give myself at least seven hours a night. I wake up almost every two to three hours. Yeah, I wake up every two to three hours. While I was sick, I never got my period in over, in over three years. But once I increased the number of healthy fats in my diet, calories, it came back. Now I have it, but it's still irregular and hard to track. I love my job coaching and teaching yoga, but I can tell that in this state, I cannot give the best version of myself to those I encounter and lead every day. I have struggled for almost six years total with these symptoms and just want to feel normal for once, but I continue to leave social situations early, have anxiety, and I'm extremely tired when I wake up and cannot fall asleep. So supplements, medication, currently taking a daily probiotic, multivitamin, holy basil, ashwagandha, turmeric, and digestive enzyme. Her question, question number one, my doctor told me that because my body was in starvation mode for so long and I was down to 90 pounds at one point, she's 5'8", and now she's holding on to every calorie that enters her body. Um, I read that really silly. <laughs> I switched from like first person to third person. Okay, starting over. My doctor told me that because my body was in starvation mode for so long, I was down to 90 pounds at one point and I'm 5'8", that it is now holding on to every calorie that enters my body and I didn't, it did not give me, they did not give me any other answers. Do you have any thoughts on this? Is this real? And if so, how can I reverse it? Yes. So I want to go back to answering that question for sure. But first and foremost, I really just want you to hear from me that you're not alone. Obviously, um, you know, follow, if you follow me, you know that I have a lot of the same struggles, specifically around Lyme and co-infections and a lot of the digestive issues and fatigue and a lot of the other symptoms. So I just want you to know that you're not alone. And actually, more than ever, I'm seeing people come out with having Lyme. And this is a really huge thing that a lot of us are dealing with. And it's, you know, it's somewhat of a mystery illness. It's difficult to diagnose. And the protocols are immensely varied. And so it's it's just very difficult to know really how to tackle this. There's not a black and white answer. And... Um, it's easy to feel really overwhelmed and frustrated, and um, I just want want you really to know that you're not alone in what you're going through. That all being said, I want to shift your perspective a little bit from feeling frustrated, which again is so justifiable. Um, you have every right to feel that way. That's also really important to keep in mind. Your feelings are real, and you need to let yourself express them versus suppress them. But you can shift that from feeling frustrated and and you know, possibly even very sad and depressed about all of this, to empowered and strong. Because a lot of people would just take this diagnosis and maybe just take a medication from a conventional doctor and just sort of go through the motions of their life in that way. And again, that's some people's journey and that's not to be disrespected. I'm just to, I'm just trying to point your direction to that. You're actually someone that's taking control of your life and you're looking at nutrition support, you're looking at lifestyle support, you're reaching out and talking to people about it, you're working with a functional medicine doctor. There are so many positive things that you're doing and you're really, really working on trying to heal a lot of this stuff. So you are strong, you're brave, you're probably very knowledgeable from going through this for so many years. So just really look at how strong this is making you. And as much as you can to focus on those things, that will really benefit you. That's a very productive way of walking through life versus just feeling totally overwhelmed and frustrated. You know, I have those days too, but I try really hard to be intentional about 
looking for the positive and a not so positive situation. Um, so like I said, Lyme is this like, invisible disease. We can't see when someone has it. And unfortunately, there are so many symptoms that are connected to Lyme and, and there's also so many co-infections. So basically you could have one symptom or you could have 300 symptoms. There's this huge, huge list of things that could be affecting you. So it's really, really hard, like I said, to diagnose and it has its challenges to heal. Like I said, there's so many different paths you can take, but it doesn't mean that it's not possible to heal. So you just have to remind yourself of that and put yourself into the mindset, put yourself into the shoes of someone who has healed. And again, I'm telling you all this, this is stuff that I'm working on myself. It's easier said than done and it's it's a process. Um, and I, I really understand that desire to feel normal and feeling like you'll never get there. Um, and you know, it may be a new normal, but you, you do have to main, maintain hope that you can regain your health and eradicate hopefully a lot of these unwanted symptoms. I also want to point your attention to some of the things that you have made progress on. Um, so I know that it is irregular and you're saying it's hard to track, but you have gotten your period back after multiple years of not having it, um, increasing your healthy fats and increasing your calories. That's, that's amazing. That's fantastic that you were able to do that. You also said um, that you love your job and coaching and teaching yoga. The fact that you can do all of that despite what's going on with you is also really, really remarkable. So just stand in that power and feel really proud of that. It's really, really remarkable that despite all of the symptoms and the fatigue and the digestive issues that you still are able to have some quality of life. You're not just laying around all day. You are actually able to you know, work even though you're not feeling like you're able to give the best version of yourself to these things that you're doing. I really understand that too because sometimes I feel that way about myself and within my business, but I guarantee you probably are giving plenty and people love, you know, learning from you and working with you and being in your classes. So just feel really, really proud about all that stuff. Um, okay. So to answer your question now about weight and restoring metabolism, yes, there is some truth to this. Obviously when we are in a, an extreme deficit and we've lost a bunch of weight, our body kind of goes into this survival mode and, um, it worries, you know, worries for its, its safety and its survival. So it will then, you know, when you do start feeding it and nourishing it again, it may hold on to weight or you may gain weight back. But in your case, it doesn't sound like that is detrimental whatsoever. It's incredibly healthy that you gained weight back, especially with being how low of a weight you were. Um, that's incredibly concerning. So the fact that you were able to put on weight is actually a healthy thing. So you really want to flip your perspective around that. Um, obviously, you know, you have to give yourself time. You have to give your body a chance to rebalance itself and discover its own happy weight again. But the fact is too that you have a chronic disease. So weight and chronic disease is a really difficult topic to navigate. Um, some people actually lose weight and some people gain weight. I personally did um, gain weight over the last few years. And it is hard, especially when you feel like you're really healthy and you're exercising and you do all of the things um, that maybe some other person who's not dealing with such a serious chronic issue would do and then would just, you know, lose weight in a healthy way. So it's different. You don't necessarily have control over everything, but I think your body gained weight for a reason. It gained weight to be healthy. Um, it gained weight probably to heal. Um, it's very stressful for our system to be fighting off a chronic disease. So any way that you can make your system feel a little bit more comfortable, the better. A lot of the time too, it can just be general inflammation. So again, I don't know how much weight you've gained, but even if you gained a substantial amount from where you were at, I still think that's a really, really healthy thing that you were able to put weight on. It actually shows your, that your body is possibly like starting to catch up a little bit and starting to heal a little bit. Um, so I really just, I don't want you to worry about losing weight right now. Um, it shouldn't be your number one priority. Um, if you're, if you're fighting your body right now and you're, you know, maybe trying to restrict food or calories again, or working out b beyond your fatigue, you know, if you have fatigue and you're pushing yourself to work out, then that's just extra stress on top of your system. And that's going to make it more difficult for you to heal and to fight this and to fight the Lyme and everything like that. So you want to really focus on being safe, being nourished, um, and not worrying about the weight so much. It just, it 
it's um, really just not a necessary area of you to focus on. So I would just say to cut yourself a little bit of a break, um, surrender, stop fighting a little bit, and really um, make this summer all about you and focusing on yourself and just, um, you know, doing yoga, like restorative yoga, taking walks, all that good stuff. So I would just chill out a little bit, not worry so much about losing weight or the weight that you've gained kind of flip your perspective to that it's a healthy thing it needed to happen you were dangerously underweight and it's a positive thing so just really work on working with your body and your mindset in that way agreed and I think something that you can do to maybe help yourself just get to that kind of like happy you know place of like not stressing yourself out about weight or not stressing yourself out during the summer because since you, it's not like you only have the summer to work on this and remind yourself that, yes, you have more time now, but this doesn't mean that you have to do something super drastic and fix everything before you go back to teaching. I mean, yes, in a perfect world, we would all like to cap this at like a time frame of healing, but just know that, yes, your body is going to take a little bit of time to bounce back and feel good at the weight that maybe that maybe it was always supposed to be. So we don't necessarily know what your weight was, you know, before you lost a lot of weight, but it could be even that you were maybe a little bit underweight at that point. I mean, I'm not saying because we don't know each other and I don't know, but your body's going to find kind of, you know, what, what Chelsea said, like a happy weight at wherever it's at, but it is going to take a little bit of time. And that can take, you know, a few months for some people and it can take two and a half years for other people. Like I was in that two and a half years world where after I went off the pill, I didn't have a cycle for two and a half years and it took my body that long to figure it out. So it's just, you know, you gotta be kind of open-minded to not having such like a specific time frame too. But I do think that maybe having a plan would be helpful for you. I really like when I just feel organized in any, you know, sense of my life. But I think if you maybe come up with like, okay, so I worked with a functional medicine doctor. Did that work? Did that not work? What did I try? What didn't I do? Is there anything else that I do want to try? And kind of what can I do from here? Um, so you had mentioned that you had already worked with someone, but you're still not feeling great. You know, if you're still really tired, if you're not sleeping well, um, you're just kind of feeling like you're, you know, anxious or maybe leaving these social situations early and just not feeling like yourself and you know not feeling your quote-unquote normal then maybe there is still a little bit of work to do and it's okay to have to be a work in progress I mean in some sense every single person is a work in progress it doesn't have to just be health um so I think maybe if you kind of plan out for yourself and just say look okay I'm gonna do you know maybe like an immune support um and it doesn't have to be considered a protocol, but if it's just, I'm gonna in, increase maybe some of my antioxidants, or maybe I'm gonna add a little bit of um, extra vitamin C to my regime, you know, just kind of give yourself like, what can you actively be doing possibly to get yourself to feel better? Because sometimes I do feel like there is stress in just kind of like not really doing anything if you're still feeling bad. Um, and if your plan is to just be chill and, and not do anything and just ride it out and kind of see how your body might um, heal itself over time, I think that's also a wonderful plan. But just tell yourself that's your plan. Your plan can be doing nothing as long as your body and your mind is okay with that. So that would be my first suggestion is maybe come up with kind of a plan for yourself of like where you want to go next or what you kind of want to do to handle it instead of letting your mind just kind of run in a thousand directions and say, you know, I don't think I'm doing anything or what could I be doing? Because that in itself could be stressful and, and maybe adding to some of the weight um, that you are gaining if you're continuing to gain weight. But like Chelsea said, I feel like this is probably a very big positive for you to gain weight because your body was in a deficit. And to go back to answering your question, I do believe that there is validity to what your doctor said because it was in starvation mode. It's just your body's going to balance out. It's not going to be like that forever. We just don't know how long it's going to take because every single body is different. Another thing that um, I think is a good, you know, almost indicator of how your body is doing is to look at your cycles in your period because you did mention that they're still irregular and hard to track. I would say maybe that is a little bit of a sign that your body is still kind of going through something. And so maybe you just start by kind of working on trying to balance your hormones because if you balance your hormones, then, you know, some of the fatigue might start to dissipate or some other things might get better. Um, one thing that I like to do and recommend is seed cycling. So seed cycling, if you haven't heard of it, is tracking your cycle from day 1 to 14 and then 14 to 28. So when you're having a cycle, 
your estrogen is boosting in the first half and your progesterone is boosting in the second half. So you can do what we call seed cycling and you can include some seeds and ingredients, nutrients to help boost the production of estrogen in your body and then boost the progesterone. So in the first half of your cycle, you would do one tablespoon daily of flax seeds and also one tablespoon daily of pumpkin seeds. And you do this from day one to 14. So you can add this to smoothies. You can add it to, I've seen a lot of people and I've tried to make a good recipe that I never actually posted, but um, little like dessert balls that you can do for seed cycling and using dates, adding all these seeds into it. Maybe you add some cacao powder, whatever you want to add. And then for day 14 through 28, you're boosting up your progesterone with one tablespoon of sunflower seeds and one tablespoon of sesame seeds. Again, this is just something to try. I personally tried this, but I was not having a cycle at the same time. So for me, it didn't really work. I was trying to align my cycle with the moon, which I'm not laughing because it doesn't work. It's just funny to think back to like how far... (laughs) many things I've been through. Um, mm-hmm. So it didn't necessarily work for me. And to be honest, I didn't stick to it for very long because I kind of just grew frustrated with the fact that I wasn't really, you know, cycling to other things. Um, so it might not work for you. I'm saying, going to just say that. Who knows? But I think it's something to try because I have heard a lot of success that people, since you already have your cycle back, it's going off of something. So what we want to do is just try and balance your hormones, and this is one way to do it. There's a lot of different ways to balance hormones, but this is something that you might be interested in trying. Um, the other thing that I wanted to kind of recommend is just knowing that, like, just because your doctor said one thing doesn't mean that that's, like, your end diagnosis. Um, I think I see a lot of frustration with people saying, well, my doctor told me this and I tried this and, you know, you just get kind of to that frustration point. And I feel like just knowing that there are thousands of doctors out there and maybe you could look for a different option, like Chelsea said with Lyme, there's just so many different paths to treating something like this that don't feel frustrated like you've done everything or you've hit a dead end and just try and keep like a little bit of an open mind because there's still, you know, a lot of options for you out there and staying positive is sometimes like one of the most therapeutic things that you can do. Her next question is, do you know if it's possible to have adrenal fatigue and chronic Lyme or if they could be one in the same? Do you want to give us a little background, Al's, on adrenal fatigue? Yes. So your adrenals are two little, um, like, they're right above your belly button, okay? They're like the size of walnuts. (laughs) And your adrenal glands are the ones that produce cortisol. That's how we kind of mainly know them. They produce a lot of other different hormones, and they're very useful for many things. But the very most common thing with adrenal fatigue is we're kind of talking about um, your body's stress response and what it's doing to your body. So you can have... You can be hyperadrenic or you can be hypoadrenic. Um, I personally kind of feel like everyone starts out as hyperadrenic and then your body may go into a hypoadrenic state, but there are some people that stay in that hyperadrenic state for a while. So to kind of figure out maybe like at what stage you're at, I would try and maybe ask yourself some of these questions of like, you know, for you, I'm just, you know, in reading your question, it seems like you're probably more of the hypo because you are feeling really tired. You get you know, a good amount of sleep. If you can get a little bit more sleep, I mean, seven hours is great. If you can shoot for nine hours, that'd be awesome. But you're getting, you know, well enough rest, you're eating well, and you're kind of feeling constantly tired. So it's almost like your body's stress response has output so much that all of a sudden now it just has gone into the hypo, the slow mode. So there are different ways to treat adrenal fatigue, and it's important to know at what stage you're at, in my opinion. So if you're the hyperadrenic and you're constantly just kind of like outputting energy, cortisol, never really get tired, you're kind of like on this like high-speed wobble, you might say, constantly, you might still be in the hyper, but eventually you'll bottom out to be a hypo. Um, And then there's different herbs, different supplements that you can take if you're more the hyperadrenic versus the hypoadrenic. But the way in which um, your adrenals operate in terms of your immune system and how it can relate to chronic Lyme, yes, it's definitely possible to have both. So you can, I think, probably have adrenal fatigue and then contract Lyme, or you can have Lyme and then develop adrenal fatigue. The same thing 
with you know with your thyroid for example um there is a lot of correlation between adrenal fatigue and thyroid function so if you're adrenally stressed and adrenally hypo and you're fatigued your thyroid and result is not never it's not necessarily going to produce the right hormones um, so that's the connection there with the adrenal fatigue and chronic lyme as i mentioned if you were someone that you know stressed your body out in the very beginning and were kind of like adrenally fatigued and then the the lyme might have presented itself that's where I'm thinking, you know, and Chelsea, you'll probably have more of an opinion if this is even true. It's kind of just a theory. But if you're adrenally fatigued, your immune system is off, obviously not, you know, up to par and it's not working as well because of your stress response. And so maybe you are more susceptible to contracting Lyme. But if you have contracted Lyme disease, it, it plays a huge stressor on your body to where your adrenals are constantly feeling like they're being attacked and your body is feeling like it's attacked. So you're going to output cortisol because you're kind of fighting something. So anytime you're fighting a virus, your cortisol is going to be increased. So that's you know kind of how I'm drawing this, I guess, <laughs> relation to answer your question. But hopefully that helps a little bit about you know what adrenal fatigue is. And if you're not dealing with you know any type of Lyme disease or anything, but you feel like you could be suffering from adrenal fatigue, I do feel like on some level almost everybody might be <laughs> somewhat adrenally fatigued just in the world that we live in. The best things to do are just focus on your immune system, try and slow down eat a great, you know, properly prepared whole foods diet, eliminating the inflammation um, and inflammatory foods, and then getting enough sleep. So being really kind to yourself versus putting any type of stress and exercise for sure. Um, you're a gentle, or you're a gentle, I was reading Chelsea's notes. You are a yoga teacher already. So I assume that yoga is probably a big part of your life. And I think that's a great way to go. There's obviously very good practices like yoga and then doing something like running half marathons or full marathons is obviously going to be a worse option for you if you are having adrenal fatigue or adrenal stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. It is kind of hard to know what they say. Just, is it the chicken or the egg? Which came first? But adrenals and Lyme and adrenals and any chronic illness or virus are so interconnected. Uh, a lot of people actually have these viruses so things like um, a lot of people believe Epstein-Barr virus is the root of Lyme disease and all these co-infections, but a lot of us have Epstein-Barr, but it just remains dormant in our system. And if you are able to maintain a strong immune system, you may never ever feel the effects of these viruses. So that's where it is so important to take care of your adrenals. And unfortunately in our modern society, there's so many stressors that all of us are going through environmental food relationships whatever then unfortunately now we're a lot of us are are um really feeling the effects of these chronic illnesses so that should give you some reassurance though that if you support your immune system and you support your adrenals and you support your stress levels enough you really really you really will be able to control a lot of these unwanted symptoms so it's really looking at things from the root of the issue um and it it is. It goes back to basics, like Ali was saying, like eat real food, working on your stress, doing really gentle forms of exercise. That's That should be your focus. It's not looking into all of the details and all of the minutiae right now and treating every little last thing that's coming up on a test. It's really just going back to how can I take care of my body. And one of the ways you can take care of it too is not to fight it. Like I said, with the weight, it's like the last thing I want you to do is try to lose weight right now. That's going to stress your system out because that's not where it wants to be. It's trying to restore right now. It's trying to heal. Um, so I would even suggest too, just again, making the summer all about you. So doing only things that you enjoy, being only around people that understand you. It's really important to find someone that can offer empathy to you too versus sympathy. I've talked about this before. Um, I'm lucky enough to have <clears throat> connected with a few really great girls that I've met on Instagram who are dealing with a lot of the same um, symptoms and Lyme and everything that I am. And it, it helps me to, you know, if I have a bad day to be able to talk to them. So see if you can connect with some people, whether that's in your community locally or online. Luckily, we have that now. I'd recommend not going into a bunch of like different Facebook groups and forums and stuff like that. It's just a lot of energy, and at first you're like, oh, I feel good, I feel supported, I'm not alone, but then it's like, ah, there's hundreds of people talking about what they're dealing with, and sometimes you just need a little community that's 
more personal and, and can support you that way. So I'd recommend that, making sure you have the right support system. Allie was mentioning a little bit, um, you know, having a plan and, and checking back in with the practitioner that you're working with. Make sure that you really trust and like who you're working with. Um, someone that you feel like really has your best interest it speaks to you on a personal individual level that's really important if you don't feel like you're getting those things it's okay to maybe look for someone different or maybe add different members to your team i'm really fan i'm really a big fan of other forms of like alternative um care so things like acupuncture i don't know if you've tried that before but not only is this amazing for the you know actual benefits that you get but it's also a time where you can be quiet and um a lot of acupuncture places are really serene and it's something you can look forward to. It's an appointment just for you. It's an hour just for you. So looking into doing that, also looking into craniosacral therapy. Um, this really helps to uh, work uh, with the, like work with um, your cranium and your central nervous system. So it's really good to for adrenals and to calm and de-stress the whole body as well. Um, and it can also help you to release a lot of emotional, um, possible emotional built up, built up stress or resentment or anger, or anything else that you're dealing with. And then just looking into other types of body work too. Like because you're off this summer and away from work, it'd be a really good time to just, you know, fill your, your week with maybe one or two different appointments that you really look forward to and the person really cares about helping you feel a lot better. Um, and then I just wanted to mention a few things that could be helpful. There's a few teas. So nettle leaf tea, this is incredibly soothing to the adrenals. And it's also really great for reproductive hormones and endocrine system in general. So this would be really helpful for you, possibly balancing out your cycle in addition to helping your body feel a little bit more calm. I also love lemon balm tea. This is not only great for calming the central nervous system, so really good for sleep and stress and mindset, but it's also one of the best teas and herbs to kill off cofactors and the viruses behind Lyme. So incorporating those two teas as much as possible I think would really be good for you. And then looking into more grounding, colorful, starchy carbs. So a lot of the time when we're trying to heal, we get into all these like detoxing, cleansing, all these things. Um, I, I would encourage you to look at or make sure you have a balance between cleansing and nourishing and healing. So stuff that's really gonna ground you um, and I always personally, this is just me, but I always personally feel really good with um, like starchy insides of carbs, like things like sweet potatoes and stuff like that. That really helps my digestion, helps my sleep, just helps me, like I said, feel a little bit more grounded. If you think about those vegetables are coming from the ground. <laughs> so not so much like cleansing Earth, and earthing. yeah, not so much cleansing and detoxing, but maybe a little bit more nourishing, um, nourishing foods and vegetables and stuff like that. Um, so that actually brings us, oh, sorry, do you have one more point about that? Well, I was just going to say with your adrenals, your adrenals are very closely tied to blood sugar as well. Um, and it's something that we kind of don't necessarily talk about as much, but I would, you know, look at your diet and, you know, you've cut out certain great foods and I think you're eating a really good, you know, nourishing, healthy diet, but just kind of noticing if maybe your blood sugar is needing a little bit more support. Like if you're crashing, um, and you're feeling like, you know, pretty energized and then you're crashing a lot in the afternoon or is your blood sugar kind of going up and down? How much, you know, carbohydrates are you taking in? What type of carbohydrates are there? So, you know, keeping a good balance of healthy fat in your diet, which was, you know, I think you said one of the reasons that brought back your cycle in the first place. So maybe focusing, you know, a lot on, uh, healthy fats and maybe protein and yes, doing amazing, great vegetables, but just be mindful of kind of trying to balance out or how much your blood sugar is going up and down. You know, if you're having a breakfast in the morning, is it, you know, fairly heavy in just sugar and fruit and bananas and stuff like that? Um, the way that our body responds and our blood sugar works with our adrenal glands, it can just be, you know, you kind of want to keep both of those in check. So I just wanted to kind of add that about being mindful of, you know, your, your carbohydrate, carbohydrate, protein, fat ratios. Mm -hmm. And a good time to do more of like those starchy carbs and things like that that I was recommending, I think is at night. Um, anyway, so yeah, I don't recommend starting your day off with a ton of carbs and no protein and fat. Um, but I think including a little bit more at dinner, not going like completely crazy, but a lot of the time when we're on these 
healing and digestive protocols, um, we've, we kind of pull that stuff out. And I personally have been adding a lot of that stuff back in. And it's amazing how much it's helped my digestion in the last couple weeks since I've done that. And I also just feel, like I said, a lot more like grounded and, um, my sleep has been a little bit better. So it's just something to kind of try out. But yeah, like Ali's saying, if you start feeling shaky or um, irritable or hangry in between meals, then it's time to um, refocus a little bit and see, are you adding a little bit less fat than you need or whatever? So mm -hmm. good point. Um, okay, so her last question is, um, I, have I have yet to attempt the AIP protocol and was wondering what your thoughts are on eliminating eliminating a few foods that could be triggering symptoms? Sure. I think it's not something that I think you have to do. And Chelsea's going to talk more about, you know, her opinion on this as she's, you know, kind of gone through this personally. But um, our thoughts or my thoughts are that I, I think it can be beneficial to support your immune system in doing this. And so AIP is stands for autoimmune paleo. And they eliminate, um, it eliminates certain other foods besides, um, like, so if you're doing a paleo diet, you're obviously kind of like cutting out soy, gluten, um, not necessarily dairy, but the autoimmune paleo cuts out, um, in addition to those, it cuts out nightshades, um, which are things like eggplant, peppers, um, potatoes. It cuts out nuts and seeds because nuts and seeds um, can be problematic for your immune system in the way that they have enzymes that kind of fight your body a little bit. And then uh, what else do they cut out? Uh, legumes and any type of grains are going to be eliminated in this because, again, the way that the enzymes kind of fight your body or provide anti-nutrients. So there's certain anti-nutrients that are found in grains that don't allow your body to, you know, uptake all of the nutrients that it truly needs. So these foods can create an immune response in certain people. It's mainly used for people who have autoimmune conditions or are having flare-ups, for example, or trying to kind of work on maybe getting some of their antibodies down. It also cuts out things like alcohol, chocolate, coffee. Um, so stimulants, because it's stimulants, or with stimulants, it, it you know, increases or uptakes your immune response or your stimulation. So I do think that there could be a benefit in doing this to support your immune system. However, I feel like the Lyme is so specific that it's not a bad idea, but I don't know that it's the answer, if that kind of answers your question. And I think that depending on how you're feeling about it, sometimes it can be more stressful to do something like the AIP protocol than beneficial. But if you find somebody who you're working with that can really support you, maybe provide meal plans, do all that kind of stuff. Um, I just finished doing the AIP coaching program. So I'm not necessarily working with anybody on AIP, although I would love to. Um, there are a lot of people out there who have been specifically trained in these protocols that I, I think if you're going to do it, I'd suggest working with someone because it can be really overwhelming. Um, and I think you can kind of pick and choose at the same time. So pick the things that you know for sure maybe don't really sit well with you or you're kind of like suspecting. So like eggs, for example, is something that you would eliminate on the AIP protocol and you're already doing that because you did a food sensitivity test. Um, I would be also mindful of just maybe not including too many of these foods. So if you literally are eating nuts and seeds every single day, then yeah, maybe you do want to cut back a little bit because science is science. We know that you know, things like almonds and the protective shell around almonds has phytic acid, which is not easy to digest, can flare up your immune system. And so we can't deny those facts that are true, but it might not be affecting you as much as you think to do an AIP protocol. So I would just kind of look at this list and we'll link to a list in the show notes of what the AIP, AIP foods are. And um, in my opinion, I think for where you're at right now, I'm not saying this for everybody, if you're going to do AIP and you want it to work, you have to actually do it all. <laughs> so if you're looking at it from an autoimmune perspective, do it full. Um, do it for 30 days. Stick to it like, you know, to a T. But for you, I feel like you can kind of go half and half and do a lot of other things because the true problem is really the Lyme. And I think Chelsea will talk a little bit more about why you feel, right, about this. Because <laughs> you've done it. Yeah, yeah, I have. I did AIP... I think to a T for about 60 days, um, gosh, I was going to say this past summer, but I don't know, I guess we're already at the next summer, last year sometime, 
and um, it did not help me. I have seen it help so many people. I just don't personally think it's beneficial for Lyme. That's just my personal opinion. Um, and in reading your question, I know we've chatted a little bit too over on Instagram. I think I'm a pretty intuitive person. My gut is telling me that this is not the right path for you to try AIP or to try any other sort of restrictive diet, even restrictive for health reasons. I think there's an, there's a time and a place, um, for people to try these diets. I am a huge fan of them. I just think for someone who has Lyme, I don't know that it's the right path. Um, this is kind of where I'm at and this is coming from me trying countless healing protocols. Literally, I've been on all of them and I saw not one bit of improvement in any of my symptoms over the last few years with trying them. Um, I wholeheartedly believe in a real food diet. I don't believe you should just forget that and throw that out the window. And I also wholeheartedly believe in being gluten-free and dairy-free and soy-free and a lot of the big things. But I just think looking at, you know, avoiding very, very specific fruits and vegetables, my mindset has really shifted on that now where, yes, maybe some things are triggering in the moment symptoms for you, like you're feeling a little bit more bloated or something like that from something that you're eating. But as a whole, fruits and vegetables are full of vitamins and minerals and are meant to nourish us and, you know, bring us back into health. So I just, I don't know that this is the right path for you to do more. I think it might be beneficial to do less. I think maybe stopping with the protocols and just taking a step back, knowing that you can absolutely revisit something at any time. And if you do work with a really great practitioner and get guided through something, um, I think that's great. But I think maybe spend some time being quiet, spend some time journaling, spend some time reflecting and tapping back into your own intuition. Whether you are someone who does not suffer with chronic disease and has been a yo-yo dieter and following every program, you know, plan, cleanse, detox, whatever, um, and has never had time to just kind of listen to what feels good for them and what doesn't, or you're someone who is on the healing journey and has tried every different protocol and diet and gets away from their own intuition. It is so important that we regain that, um, and that's really what I've been in the process of lately and it's been working for me um i've been just sharing like little snippets because i'm not ready to like completely come out and share everything that i'm doing because it's very much my own personal you know journey and everyone's so different so just because something's working for me doesn't mean that it will be working for you but obviously you guys know i'm really open and share everything um but i just think it's important to really really tap back in and eliminate some of the noise. So if you're researching a lot or you are reading a bunch of books or jumping into those Facebook groups or forums or whatever, even if you're following so many people on Instagram, it's really important to take a step back from all of that and just like take a few deep breaths and what really sounds good to you. And you might be able to sort of create your own kind of plan or just a little bit of trial and error. And if all of a sudden your symptoms go haywire, then you pull back, but you kind of know how to get back to where you are at now. I don't know that things could potentially get way, way, way worse. Maybe they could get better if you just try a different kind of way of eating or just a little bit more intuitive eating. So it's just kind of some food for thought. Um, obviously, real food is always going to be wise, um, but I don't know that more eliminations and really looking at those super small um, things to eliminate is, is going to be helpful for you right now. I will mention um, there's a few foods that are specifically very, very healing for Lyme that you could work on including these things. So maybe focusing more on what you can include versus things that you're going to pull out and just try that approach because you've probably not done that before. I certainly hadn't. <laughs> um, so star anise, cinnamon, radishes, celery, garlic, onions, apricots, and wild blueberries can be really, really helpful for Lyme, for co-infections, for the underlying root cause, which is these viruses. Um, I'm obsessed with wild blueberries. I feel like they're like medicine for me right now. Um, and I've just really been upping my fresh fruits, which is something that I have not eaten almost any of in the last couple years, just because I've done candida and low FODMAP and all the things. So bringing a lot more fresh fruit back in has been helpful for my digestion. And I feel like 
my body has been really like craving that and has felt deprived from not having it. So maybe bringing in some things that you've really missed and just see how you do. You're smart enough where if it's triggering a lot for you, you can pull back. But maybe just, you know, have a little bit of a trial and error time period and just try to tap back into what feels good and be a little bit quieter, less doing, you know, more not doing. <laughs> yeah. Or if you are doing, do the some do the things that you haven't really, you know, tried yet, like you know, maybe working on the adrenals and hormones aspect because those might be giving you actually more symptoms than the Lyme itself. And since you have been working with someone, maybe, you know, I don't know if you've retested or, you know, the Lyme might not be the root of, of what you're dealing with anymore. I mean, we don't know. But yeah, I think just kind of like doing little bits here and there so you can support your systems that you know might need a little bit of help, but doing ultimately less sometimes is a good, a good break. Cool. So we have just one more short question that we will finish up with. So this is from Leslie. Leslie says, hi, Allie and Chelsea. I love listening to your podcast. I have good health, decent energy, good sleep, and have a strong growth mindset with my health, both physically and mindset. Oops. Both physically and mentally. I was on birth control for close to 15 years continually. No sugar pill to keep my endometriosis under control. Last year I went off the pill. Yeah, that's her. She said that, but also we support it as well. <laughs> and my endometriosis has not flared at all. I eat a paleo-ish diet, almost all whole foods, healthy fats, and proteins. I was put on a strict elimination plan to heal my gut after finding sensitivities and leaky gut. The foods that I ate most of were cooked, roasted, cruciferous vegetables, plus other proteins and fruits I tolerated. She takes magnesium and multi and glutathione regularly. Her question is... <clears throat> first question is, while my endometriosis didn't return with a vengeance like I expected, my thyroid, which had always been within normal range, sort of just quit on me. My levels dropped incredibly low. My doctor has me on a compounded thyroid med, T3 and T4 combined. My main question is, would roasted cruciferous vegetables be the culprit of my thyroid or the sudden change in hormones after going off the pill? I didn't have any signs at all of hormonal disturbance. That's why I'm assuming it might have actually been the veggies. I have expanded my diet quite a bit, but I have grown to really love roasting big batches and enjoy broccoli, kale, cauliflower, cabbage, etc. Would you recommend cutting out cruciferous vegetables for a time and seeing if my thyroid responds? And she just said, thank you so much. I love your podcast, the work you're putting out, and for your time. Thank you, Leslie. What do you think, Alice? Oh, I have so many thoughts. I'm like dancing in my seat of like, okay, so... I'm going to start by answering the question and then go off into some other things that she wrote, and I'll try and be as quick and succinct as possible. But what I recommend going off of or cutting cruciferous, cruciferous veggies out to see if your thyroid responds, no, I actually would not. I don't think that the cruciferous veggies are the problem at all. I think that if you're eating, especially because you've been roasting them, which is much different than eating cruciferous veggies just plain or raw. So there are some theories behind the fact that cruciferous veg veggies or goitrogenic foods can inhibit thyroid production. Now, I think if you're eating a lot of these foods daily, yes, that might be a problem. If you have a raw kale salad every single day or you use it every single day in smoothies um, or you're eating a ton of sauerkraut every single day. I mean, the thing with sauerkraut is like, I mean, yes, I personally do eat sauerkraut quite a bit, but when you eat sauerkraut, you're eating like a spoonful or like you're adding like a, sm a small amount to whatever it is. So it's not going to be a big deal um, for most people. So I don't think that's the issue at all. I would say keep doing those foods because to be honest, a lot of the nutrients um, and things that your body and your thyroid specifically need, even like selenium, iodine, you know, all the vitamin A, all that kind of stuff, your thyroid is probably doing well. Um, the fact that you did have endometriosis before um, or while you were on the pill tells us already that there is some type of imbalance. So, you know, going back to saying that you've never had any type of like, you know, hormonal imbalances in the past, I don't necessarily know that that's true. Because with endometriosis, um, it can be, you know, a few different reasons and why people have this and there's lots of theories, but it's basically kind of like a, an excess in estrogen. And so your body's not able to really detox that estrogen. 
So why is that? Sure, there are a lot of things about genetics. Um, there's a lot of things with beta-glucuronidase recirculating in the body and so that you're, you're constantly uptaking estrogen and never really eliminating it. So I do feel like that there was probably some type of imbalance going on previously, seeing that you were dealing with endometriosis and then when you went on the pill, it did probably cause more hormonal imbalance because your body was given you know, hormones that wasn't being naturally produced. And also the pill has been you know, shown to contribute or cause things like leaky gut. So I think that's probably kind of where that came from. And with a thyroid, a very, very common thing is your pituitary and your body doesn't necessarily have to produce its own hormones while it's on the pill. So that's why it does take a while once you get off of it for some people for your body to kick back into gear because it's almost like turning a light switch on and off. The light switch has been off for a very long time. You've been giving your body this hormonal birth control and then all of a sudden you want to turn the light back on, but it's like, well, I've never had to do that before. Why would I do it now? And so... The, um, when, you, when you're mentioning that your um, thyroid dropped incredibly low, um, I'm assuming you're talking about your TSH, which is your thyroid stimulating hormone, which is actually produced by the pituitary gland. Your pituitary gland is the one that tells your thyroid to produce hormones. So it's really a pituitary imbalance, which comes from things like being on the pill or you know, maybe a host of other factors we're not really sure. Um, and then there's a whole, I would love to do, I was just telling Chelsea about the thyroid struggles and um, compounding and working with being on a thyroid hormone support. I do have a lot of thoughts on that. We'll maybe save that for another another episode. But I think what you can possibly do right now is not necessarily cut out cruciferous vegetables, but kind of as I was talking about the adrenal connection to your thyroid and maybe the pituitary, work on that factor and see if there's anything that you're kind of missing. Like, what does your diet look like now? What is your exercise? Are you over-exercising? Are you stressed out? Stress in itself can play a huge role in having your thyroid go out of whack. Um, So, yeah, to answer, (laughs) I want to go on so many tangents, but I don't want to make this, you know, too long. But those are my initial thoughts. I don't think it's the vegetables. I think it's a deeper hormonal imbalance that you already had going on with endometriosis that you can continue to work on supporting your thyroid by um, intaking selenium, for example, is a really great way you can boost your thyroid because your body needs selenium. Um, You can do that with Brazil nuts. If you don't have the Hashimoto's factor, if this is not an autoimmune factor, then um, I would say you can increase some of your iodine. And there are beliefs that even if you do have Hashimoto's, iodine is okay. That's very controversial. But I would focus on kind of eliminating any inflammation, eliminating, looking at maybe what your skincare is, um, because with skincare, that can add to boosting your estrogen. So while you might not be having any type of endometriosis now, that doesn't necessarily mean, or we don't know, that there's not extra extra estrogen still kind of within your body. So looking at um, avoiding the heavy metals in some of your skincare, that kind of stuff. That's kind of where I would start. Yeah, the interesting thing too about cruciferous vegetables is because they're high in sulfur, they're actually really beneficial for removing excess estrogen or excess unwanted hormones out of the body. They're really great for the liver. So I'm sure that they're actually benefiting you. We can overdo anything. You can overdo any healthy food. You can overdo vegetables like you can't just you know you don't want to go completely hog wild with all of the cruciferous vegetables all of the time but um you know it's you said that you're adding back in a lot more variety right now um which is a good thing I also just wanted to point out that you said that you were on a strict elimination plan previously to help your gut which is where I think you started eating a lot more of these vegetables because you probably came back with sensitivities for many other vegetables. It was kind of all the things that were left that you could have. So anytime we're put on a strict elimination plan, I get a little bit worried that we may be under eating just because our food choices are so limited, especially if you're eating paleo-ish and all these fruits and vegetables you're coming back as reacting to. It's like, well, what do I eat? So you could have potentially been under eating and that could have triggered some um, your, your thyroid to drop as well. That's definitely a possibility. So just making sure that you're eating enough, you're nourishing yourself, you're bringing a lot more variety back in, getting a lot more um, fruits and vegetables and stuff like that. Hopefully now you've reintroduced things 
And um, yeah, I wouldn't be worried about the cruciferous vegetables unless you're eating copious amounts of raw veggies, like bags yeah. and bags of broccoli. That's kind of where this whole goitrogen and um, research comes from. It's not the normal things that people are eating. Yeah. And also, too, when Chelsea was mentioning, um, I think you mentioned something about liver um, and supporting your liver. I actually do, now that I'm like, in my own head again. I don't know why I go on these tangents, but I'm like, okay, bring it all together, Allie. Um, I think what you personally should kind of focus on is supporting your liver because detoxing extra estrogen with endometriosis is really important, but there's also a huge, huge, huge component and connection between liver health and thyroid um, and whether your body is actually... So you have T3 and T4. The T3 is the only thing that's active. So some people will take, for example, like Synthroid, um, which is the brand name, but it's only a T4. Okay, so your body has to take that T4 and convert it to T3 via your liver. So sometimes your liver isn't actually making that conversion. And so if you think about naturally, our body should be naturally producing T3 and T4, but your liver has to play a huge role in that. So I would say focus on liver health for now and maybe include more like beets and beet kvass and, um, you know, that <laughs> there's a lot of other good healthy you know foods to support your liver but a really good resource that um where she does talk a lot a lot about liver and uh thyroid is isabella wentz if you just google her and google thyroid she's an awesome resource for that cool keep us posted gals Yay. um thank you guys for listening thank you for being here if you would like to submit a question for the show you can email us anytime at nutritionishpodcast at gmail.com we've made it really easy for you head over to our website and click under the submit a question tab that'll all be linked in our show notes and please head on over to itunes and leave us a review it would mean the world to us and also be sure to subscribe so a new episode gets downloaded for you every single week for more from me chelsea head to nutritionwithchelsea.com <laughs> i was like head to nutritionwithchelsea.com and follow me over on instagram at nutritionwithchelsea it can be a tongue twister and for more from Allie, head to barefoodnutrition.com and follow her at barefoodnutrition and we'll see you guys next week next week see ya, see ya. we're so insane <laughs>